I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The Deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Rich Eisen Show. The two pet peeves of mine for college football. Live from the Rich Eisen Show studio in Los Angeles. People are absolutely fine with college football games taking four hours. And then the other one is the college football players coming up to the line of scrimmage. I see a photograph of the White House. I see a photograph (laughs) of this. Okay, now we're ready for a play. Do I sound old? Earlier on the show, from NBC Sports, Peter King. Coming up, NFL Network analyst, Daniel Jeremiah. Plus, your phone calls, NFL preseason analysis, and more. And now, it's Rich Eisen. Our number two of the Rich Eisen Show is on the air. Great chat with... Our friend Peter King in hour one, Daniel Jeremiah, one of my uh, one of my favorites to work with, will be joining us in about twenty minutes' time to put his keen talent evaluation eye on the National Football League's final preseason weekend going into the big NFL kickoff ten days from now, Cowboys and Tampa, okay. and every Uh-oh. single day uh, until that kickoff, we will be previewing a. Division in the NFL, there's eight of them, and today we focus on the NFC East, top of hour number three. We all give you our prediction for who's going to win that division, and then we'll we'll place them one through four. That's what we'll do. Um, Peter King, in the first hour, mentioned the Giants' offensive line being awful not once but twice. <laughs> I took note of that. Twice, not once but twice. I noted that. And uh, should the Giants not perform very well, again, uh, with Daniel Jones, again, because they can't protect him again. Um, guess what? The Giants are going to hear boos from the faithful. If the Jets, with Zach Wilson, struggle and don't perform very well, and the Jets fans see the same thing out there after a season that they went through last year, even with the new head coach, who every single Jet fan I speak to loves and adores already, if they see same old Jets stuff out of the Jets, despite anything that Robert Sala is selling, and everybody's buying in New York. Everybody is buying in New York and New Jersey. Guess what the Jets are going to hear? They're going to hear booze. And guess what you're not going to see out of Daniel Jones and Zach Wilson <laughs> and Saquon Barkley and all of them? They're not going to say a word through a gesture to the fans. Here's the one thing about the Mets that I didn't see coming. Because I've been wondering what's wrong with the Mets this year. Because I love Pete Alonso, and he's the right guy. He's the right guy for that job, man. Love DeGrom, Syndergaard when he's healthy or not getting COVID like he did on his birthday to 
push off a rehab start yesterday. There's lots to like about the Mets. That stadium, everybody who's been in that stadium loves it. But I had no idea, was it the hitting, was it the pitching, the lack of timely hitting, the lack of pitching that's wrong with the Mets? Nope. T.J. Jefferson, I don't know if you were aware of it, mm-hmm. but it was the fans not being better. <laughs> it was the fans who have to do better. Didn't know about that one <laughs> until yesterday when the Cub that they acquired on the trade deadline day, Javi Baez with his son, adorable son, dressed in a hat and eye black just like daddy, sitting on his, his lap because daddy homered for the Mets, which is a sight for sore eyes for Mets fans because Baez has been hitting 207 since being acquired on the trade deadline day, after which the, the uh, Mets have been 9 and 20. 11 games under 500. This is what Baez had to say when asked about the thumbs-down signal he has been flashing, along with teammates, Francisco Lindor, Kevin Pillar. What's with the thumbs-down symbol that you're performing? Because, you know, as you know, and Major League Baseball players, when they get on base, they'll signal something to the dugout. Yeah, it's a thing. The now. Yankees have had it the last two years. Last year, it was going like this, which was yep. Brett Gardner using a bat that he bashed the roof of the dugout and the famed savages in the box moment for their manager last year, Aaron Boone. This year, the Yankees are taking their arm and putting it in the air you know, bent at the elbow and then bashing their elbow with their other hand. I don't know what that is, but they're shout doing out, it. Shout out Larry Johnson. Is that what they're doing? No, I have no idea. I have no idea. <laughs> but the Mets have been doing lately thumbs down. Mm-hmm. And Javi Baez was asked about it yesterday. What is the thumbs down celebration after a big hit mean? It's a booze that we get. You know, we like we're not we're not machines. We're gonna struggle, you know, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna struggle seven times out of out of ten. And and you know, it just it just feels bad when 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 we strike when I strike out and I get boo, you know it doesn't really get to me. But like I want I want to let them know that when we success we're gonna do the same thing to to know how to to let them know how how it feels, you know. Because if we win together, then we we gotta lose together, you know. And 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 the fans are really big part of it. So, um, in my case, they they gotta be better, you know. I, I play for the fans and I love the fans, but you know if. If they're gonna do that, they they just putting more pressures on the team, and and that's not that's not what we want. So, are, is that a thumbs down to fans then? Well, yeah, I mean, to let them know that that when we when we don't get success, we're gonna get booed. So we they're gonna get booed when when we, when we success. So if the fans are gonna boo, then. When the Mets are successful, they're going to wind up booing the fans. If they're not there for the downtimes, when the Mets do something positively, they're going to show the fans we don't. We're booing you, even though you're cheering us, because you boo us when we need you to be there when we're down and out. And I'll be honest with you, that's the way I always consider friends, the good true blue friends. Susie and I refer to our true blue friends in Los Angeles as the 405 friends. What does that mean? If you're broken down on the 405... They'll come get you. Correct. Yeah. The difference is is that the fans are not your friends. (laughs) They're your paying customers. They're not your friends. (laughs) True. All right. They're not your friends. They're your paying customers. 
and they root for the laundry. Hobby, that's what one of your most famous fans will tell you. Seinfeld says they root for the laundry. They root for the name on the front and the city that your team represents, that you now represent. And if he is, Javi, I'm always here to help people out. (laughs) As a native New Yorker, let me help you out on this. Everybody who's played for a New York franchise, everybody, name him or her. Yes, even the Liberty, right? Name him or her. They have been booed. Derek Jeter in 2004, with already five trophies in the case, had a dreadful hitting streak. He got booed. His response was, I would boo myself. That's a New York athlete. Or you could say Boston athlete, Philadelphia athlete. Uh, and, and another thing, too, is, you know, where Javi comes from professionally in Chicago you know, where Cubs fans might boo, but they're also might also be booing the guy who's not bringing them a beer fast enough for their <laughs> second or third and the lovable loser that they were that they no longer were because Javi Baez and the rest of the team did so well to finally get them over the hump. The other team in town, and I'll just say this, even though I spent only one year in Chicago, and I say this with all due respect to White Sox fans, the other team in Chicago is kind of the Mets in the equation, even though, you know, they had won more recently than the Cubs up until the Cubs finally got over the top. Cubs are like the Yankees in that town in terms of people who live and die and all of that stuff. So there's another team in New York who the fans who are booing the Mets because they have had enough over the years and they are booing you in particular, Javi, because the Yankees on the trade deadline also got themselves a Chicago Cub. And all he has done, pretty much, is produce. And an RBI in seven of his first eight games. He homered right away. And the Mets fans in that town are hearing it from their friends. They're hearing it. They don't like it. They don't like it one bit. Because we Yankee fans are friggin' obnoxious. And we're up in their grill. Up in their grill. Loving it. And the Met fans are also seeing the Giants acquired a Cub. And that guy, Chris Bryant, is also pretty terrific. And this guy, you, come to the Mets and not only hit 207 but apparently hatch an idea in the clubhouse to bond and using a dislike of the fans to bond, enlisting, apparently, it seems, because he's also thumbs down, the guy who just signed a 10-year, $341 million contract on the hook with the Mets this year for $43 million. Those numbers are not typos. Francisco Lindor hitting 224 on the season is thumbs downing the Met fan? (laughs) Are you kidding me? Are you kidding? Is there a mirror anywhere in the borough of Queens (laughs) to not only show them why they're being booed, but also on occasion based on like when DeGrom was healthy out on the mound not getting any run support, 
just to see if they can fog up that mirror. So, does it suck to be booed? Yeah. You know what? I hate, and I, I see it. I don't like it, but I pay no mind to it. TJ has a problem getting past it. I know my wife does sometimes when she sees it. The I get booed by half my tweets. I see, I suck, I'm bald, I'm fat. Sometimes I get, I'm Jewish. I'm no, seriously, sometimes you get all what? sorts of crazy stuff. Wait, fat? fat? Fat, oh yeah, fat, oh. bald, Jewish, uh, you know, that sort of stuff. I, I get everything, and it's terrible. And I accept that I suck, I'm bald, whatever. The Jewish stuff, I don't, in the same way that Marcus Stroman yeah, knew Met, apparently, as he has shown, he's getting racist stuff sent to him. That's beyond the yes. pale. You cannot pay for a ticket and be racist. That is not acceptable. But you as a fan showing up and booing your team, to me, is something I grew up with. You might disagree because I put out on my Instagram that this is the most toxic concept of team chemistry and the dumbest poop I've seen ever. In sports, and the responses I got back, what's more of a toxic waste of energy than booing your own team? Maybe you're not supposed to boo your team. Maybe you're supposed to sit there and watch somebody while Anthony Rizzo's dialing it up in the Bronx and you're getting your brains beaten in and this guy's going thumbs down to you. You're supposed to sit and take it. And the difference that I'm also getting from people in response, and I'll say it here, is why am I defending Osaka and Simone Biles about their saying that the responses they're getting from fans and is mentally messing with them that maybe Baez, I've gotten this, maybe Baez, this is his response to being mentally messed with with booing. And the thing is that Biles and Osaka are not thumbs downing the fans they're just saying, I don't want to talk to the media. Yeah, big difference. Which I also say the media is a representative of the fans, but I'm also saying to Baez and Lindor, and apparently Pilar said they're just having fun, and Stroman's like saying the media is just trying to stir stuff up. Doesn't look like but it. But all I'm saying is that in New York City, you're going to get booed when you do not perform certainly by a fan base that's dying for success and also coming up with an idea that you're banding together, sitting there instead of figuring out together what can be done collectively to get the individuals better. I don't know what that is, but the toxic waste of energy, energy to sit here and go, let's boo the fans. <laughs> hey, here's what we're going to do. Whenever we get a hit, because I, you know, Francisco, you're, you've been hearing it all year, right? Whenever I get a hit, because I've just been here for a cup of coffee for a month, whenever I get a hit, I'm going to go like this, and then you go like this, and then we'll, we'll all go like this, and then we're going to bond together. So let the fans know if they're booing us when we're bad, we're going to boo them when we're good. What a brilliant idea. <laughs> Look out, Braves. The Giants are going to be quaking in their boots. Dodgers. The Dodgers are going to be just absolutely, oh, my gosh. They're banding together because they don't like some of the fans who boo them. What a toxic waste of energy, and it's such a dumb idea. The worst team that money could buy Mets thinks that's dumb. 
to Sandy Alderson, uh, the team president's credit, and the owner, Steve Cohen, um, they're not standing for it. They're saying they're going to tell the Mets, knock it off. What are you doing? What are you doing? Steve Cohen having a little fun with it, too, saying that he, he, he's yearning for the moments when they wore black uniforms as the biggest controversy. Can't laugh it off, Stephen A. Cohen, too. Back pages already have Mets to fans drop dead. Whew. That's a little extreme. That is aggressive. I mean, come on. But this is the reaction you're going to get in New York City. Come on. And that's a phrase, drop dead, is from the 70s. When Gerald Ford, the president at the time, in the midst of a, an economic disaster of our country, cut off aid to New York City or whatever the story is. And it's like, hey, well, the headline was uh, Ford to New York, drop dead. That was the headline. That, that's the phrase that New Yorkers use. This is what they talk about. This is what you're playing into when you're going thumbs down. Are you, have you lost your sense of the way it works? Unless you tell me, you could call 844-204-RICH, number to dial, and say it's bad. Don't boo. You're not a real fan if you boo the team. You should not boo the team that you love. Yeah, I put that up as a poll just now. Do it. Go um, for it. At Rich Eisen Show. Do you ever boo your favorite team when they're underperforming? Absolutely or never? Is it right? You can tell me. I'm off base. Fans are not your friends. They're your paying customers, and they are rooting for the team that's right across the chest. Also, Rich, that famous uh, Gerald Ford quote. So on October 29th, 1975, President Ford denies the near-bankrupt New York City a federal bailout. And the next day in the Daily News, infamous headline, drop dead. Yeah. Ford to city. Ford to city, drop dead. Yeah, the I remember next day. that. 1975. So that's uh, New York telling, going thumbs down on the president. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's just, it's, it's, I, I can't, be, I could not believe it when I saw that yesterday. It's clearly, you know, and part of it too, I'm telling you. Yankees get a Cub, they go on a 13 game win streak. Mets get a Cub, thumbs down on the fans. And getting Lindor with a 10 year contract in on it. Oh boy. <laughs> so, you know what we need to do? Here's what you got to do, Mets fans. Go get Mr. Met. Put him out there and show him the finger. That's right. <laughs> He's done it before. So Mr. Met's given a middle <laughs> finger to a fan, and the players have given the thumbs down to fans. Good news, Mets fans. There's only three other fingers left. There's only three other fingers. Not the index and this one, the this one will be the, this one will be good. The index finger would be good. Let's take a break. We'll come back. Daniel Jeremiah, what does he think of the Bears' decision to sit fields? Who does he think is the best quarterback to start in San Francisco and New England? And he's also one of the voices of Chargers Radio. We'll talk to him about that team's possibility to go on a run. And so much more coming up next. Let's talk game time. Boy, do we love using game time tickets. 
at the Rich Eisen Show, and every single time I've been watching the basketball playoffs on TV, I've been wondering what it would be like to be at these games. And when you choose your tickets on game time, you can see the view from your seat where the court is, where you are in relation to it, and then the all-in prices. That's my favorite feature. The all-in prices makes sure that you see the lowest price guarantee and also know exactly how much everything costs all-in before you purchase. So all the guests were is removed when you buy playoff tickets with game time download the game time app create an account and use my code rich for twenty dollars off your first purchase terms apply visit gametime.co for restrictions again create an account redeem my code r-i-c-h for twenty dollars off your first purchase download game time today last minute tickets lowest price guaranteed Let's talk sleep number, people, because quality sleep is so essential. That's why the sleep number smart bed is dissolved for your ever-evolving sleep needs. And the same thing for your partner. So you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Quiets your snores or your partner's? Sleep Number does that. My Sleep Number setting is 60. My wife's is 70. Ten numbers apart, but it truly is the world of difference. The Sleep Number sleep that you get is unbelievable. You will love it. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now you could save 50%. That's 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. He is Jacksonville Jaguars quarterback Gardner Minshew. How are you, Gardner? Rich, I'm good, man. Good to Glad to be here. Good to have you here in the Heck flesh. Yeah. It's not bad, huh? You, you got it. Um... What's it like to be Gardner Minshew in Miami, Florida during Super Bowl week? Dude, it's uh, it's not bad. You know, it's my first time to ever come to like a Super Bowl or anything. Uh-huh. You know, getting to meet a lot of cool people. Just talk to freaking Barry Sanders. Like, <laughs> you know, you don't get to do that every day. Yeah. Um, so, I, like, it, it's it's a really cool experience. Yeah, who have you met? Who have you met at the Super Bowl other than just here? Yeah, at, so I've only life? been you know, kind of going around this morning. But Barry, uh, I met Boomer Siason, um, Carson Palmer, Greg Jennings, James Jones, a lot of. You know, former guys, it's yeah. really cool to get to you know, you see them for so long and then finally get to meet them. But who's in your posse? Like, who's in your world? Like, your, your, are your friends? You're hanging with your friends? Oh, I mean, no, I'm, you bring I'm your... lone wolfing right now. Um, You're lone wolfing? Yeah, no, I got a couple buddies coming down. I'm working, man. I'm working. So did you get here in the RV? No, unfortunately, I had to turn in the RV yesterday. What, it, it what happened? It was just a month deal, you know, with travel camp in Jacksonville. It was a month deal. Month is up, you know, and... So yeah. did you travel the country in the RV? Oh, did yeah. You do that? So took off Jacksonville to Mississippi, through Texas, duck hunted, went to Austin, worked out in Permian High School from Friday Night Lights. Friday Night Lights. Went up to Tell You Did you see Booby? Did you see uh, Booby no, Miles? I wish, you see dude, I wish. Okay. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, went to Tell You Ride, Colorado. Incredible place. Absolutely beautiful. Uh, to Las Vegas, where I got to fly with the Air Force Thunderbirds, which was like now, just incredible life experience. Let's pause here. Yeah. Did you pass out? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> they, yeah, they messed me up. Yeah. So walk me through that process. How did that work, Gardner? Yeah. So you so, got into, um, what'd you get into? You got into a, a, one of the Thunderbirds or what you yeah, got into? Yeah, so it's uh, an F-16. Okay. Um, and like you go in in the morning, it's like five hours of prep work. They're telling you what happens, like if the plane crashes, how to pull your parachute. I'm like, I don't want to know this. <laughs> hey, this isn't like, let's just not talk about this. 
But then we go up, and um, right. it was absolutely incredible. Over Las Vegas, and then Death Valley, and do all their tricks and stuff, and they just just wear me out. So you passed out. You oh, definitely, yeah. You've, you, and then you come to, and you... Oh, yeah, I came to, I was like, yeah, I'm in a plane. All right, we're good. And then I flew the plane after that, and that was incredible. Well, hold on a second. Yes. What do you, what do you mean you flew the plane? I flew the plane. Like, I, I took us on, like, barrel rolls, and, like, it was unreal. Like, an absolute, like... Just an experience like you just don't get to do. Like, are it's you incredible. A, are you a trained pilot? Damn near, basically. <laughs> you know. I, well, I mean, you know. Um, so you're in this plane, and they're like, "Okay, you've got the controls, Gardner Minshew." Yeah. That's what happened. Take over. I got the thruster right here. I got the stick, and that's that's all you really need to know. Gardner Minshew now in Philadelphia. They are gonna love him. Oof. Hey, if if once upon a time Sanchez back up had cheese fries, they're gonna love him. Oh. Back here on the Rich Eisen Show, 844-204-RICH. Number to Don, we just showed a, uh, a uh, an interview with Gardner Minshew at the Super Bowl in Miami about a year and a half ago. And the Eagles acquired him for conditional, what is it, a conditional six-round pick? Yes. And I'll tell you what, you know, uh, if Hertz goes down, the, the guy that makes more sense to turn to to keep the offense going is Minshew, not Joe Flacco. Mark, hey, I want you to have my cheese truck. <laughs> and if that was, that was one of the first drops, that was one of the first drops we ever had on the Rich Eisen show. I think it was just a few weeks of us being in to existing, and Sanchez is a backup quarterback for the Eagles. Won a Monday Night Football game, yeah, that's right. and they they went crazy they over him. Well, he, and that he was, was a Pat. That, he went Mark, to Pat's and Gino. Yeah. Yeah. He was at Pat's and Gino. Right. And so right we, we, for some reason, we just decided that was one of the funniest things we ever heard. Somebody say, "Hey, I want you to have my cheese fries." Like, all right, <laughs> all right. Hey, uh, Gardner <laughs> Minshew, cheese fries are on the menu, man. I mean, boom. What year was? And uh, so we just talked about the Mets thumbs downing their fans, or at least a handful of them. TJ's a Met fan here in studio. We're just, I, I want to get your thoughts on this. That's coming up at, after this conversation. Rich. I'm conflicted. Okay, I'm going to have a, a, it's going to be a fun conversation. I want you to call 844-204-RICH, number to dial. Is it, you don't, is it wrong to boo your team? Because tell me, tell me from New York, because I grew up with that. I watched Reggie Jackson get booed. Catfish Hunter, Ron Guidry, Mattingly got booed. Winfield definitely got Billy booed. Billy Martin. Who dared boo Don Mattingly, Rich? Mattingly got what, booed, who, I'm sure, at times. Were, yeah. Everybody, it's Jeter got booed. Come on. November 10th, 2014, a Monday night. Yeah, it was like our food right. Yeah. Eagles 45, Panthers 21. We were, Mark, 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 I want you to have my cheese truck. <laughs> I mean, it's never not going to be funny. Let's get to this man because he's, <laughs> because he, he's missing out on some crucial information that's going down right now on the uh, NFL Network, um, NFL Media Group uh, talent Zoom prior to the uh, the season where we're hearing about points of emphasis and stuff like that. F- folks are taking copious notes for me right now missing on that Zoom. I'm missing it. And I, I, I told Daniel Jeremiah, just turn your camera off. They have no idea if you're not on the Zoom and you're on the Rich Eisen Show. So, DJ, thanks for doing this. Appreciate it. Yeah, there's probably a hundred percent chance I'll be the one that gets called on here. Uh, what are you? What are you being minutes. called on? Like, what's what's going on? What is know. happening right now? I just I just feel like I've never I, I've done very few things to get myself in trouble over the years, Rich. But I I'm caught every time as a kid. So I just figure, you know, we gotta play a little hooky, have a little conversation here uh, off the Zoom, off the Network Summit Zoom, and yes. I'm sure there'll be like some random point where uh, where my name will be brought up and dj you want to chime in here and then you know i'm not there but i'm, I'm okay with that i'm, I'm i'll take the risk hit it for for you i'll take the hit daniel because i'm i'm you know uh in in nine days i'm uh hosting the ribbon cutting ceremony for the new studio so Ooh. you know i think i'm in good standing there 
Um, Still waiting for I'll my take invitation the on that one. I guess that's not. Coming. I'll take the hit. I'll take the hit. Daniel, I don't know. I'll, I'll, if you want me, you want to be my plus one. You bring the scissors. You bring the scissors. You're my plus uh, one. The big, yeah, the big scissors. Oh, I've always wanted the. I've always wanted the big check and then the big scissors. Those, those are life goals. <laughs> Daniel Jeremiah here on the Rich Eisen Show. All right, man. Uh, what did you see out of Trey Lance yesterday that makes you think something? What do you got for me well, on that? Well, I just they had held off on any of the design quarterback stuff. Now. They they did a little bit of it. They sprinkled some of it in with Trey Lance yesterday, and that's what got me fired up. Now, one of them's a touchdown. It's a four-yard run, and I kind of I posted that, and I said, uh-oh, watch out. Like, here we go. And people freak out and say, oh, it's backups versus backups. It's a four-yard run. We've seen this before. What's the big deal? And I'm sitting here going, no, no, no. I, I'm watching, knowing what Trey Lance can do as a runner, and now I'm saying, okay, they're going to kind of unleash this thing in some way, shape, or form, whether that's just when they get down inside the red zone, whether that's on third and shorts, are they going to sprinkle them in throughout the game? I, I got a feeling that something's coming there, Rich. He might not be starting, but we're going to see Trey Lance, and we're going to get a chance to see them line up. And as a defense, you're going to see Debo Samuel in the slot. Mm. You're going to see George Kittle lined up next to Trent Williams, who, you know, arguably the best left tackle in the NFL. And you're going to have a big-time speed back next to Trey Lance, and you're going to have to wonder, are they getting ready to pound this thing down my throat? Are they going to go play action, and all of a sudden now George Kittle just ran by me? Are they going to flip it to Debo Samuel coming across the formation, or are they going to fake all that crap and Trey Lance is going to take off? Like, There is so much you're going to have to deal with uh, defensively and to game plan against. I mean, I, I, I can't wait. I think it's going to be a nightmare to defend when he gets in. Yeah, I mean, when you tweeted out that play, um, it looked quite exotic to me, certainly for a preseason snap. That looked like, okay, this is what they're hiding or planning and cultivating. So are you saying that maybe Lance gets in to the game once they enter the red zone, 10-yard line? Like, is that what you're 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 thinking, what Shanahan might be thinking here for 2021? Uh, uh, I mean, I think everything's on the table, you know. Is he going to be given a – maybe he's given a drive here and there. Maybe it's – you get into, you know, short yardage situations, he comes out there. Maybe it's just down in the red zone. Eventually, it's going to be his job once he further develops in the passing game, and you're going to have to deal with all this stuff on an every-down basis. But in, the, but in the meantime, I think they're going to find ways, just my opinion, watching it, to be able to incorporate him and use a, a pretty a pretty unique skill set that he has uh, with the creativity uh, that you have with Kyle Shanahan. So uh, it, it'll be it'll be fascinating. I, I know one thing: you got to prepare for it, no matter how much of it they're going to do. You got to spend a good chunk of time preparing for all that stuff. Yeah, and I, uh, the Detroit Lions, I believe, are first up for them as Jared Goff can't quit the the NFC West in his first game with the Lions. So you're saying that Lance's uh, passing game maturity is what potentially is going to put Garoppolo out there to start that game for for the 49ers? That's the decision that's coming, do you think? Yeah, I mean, I, I just I think that that's the way it looks to me is that, you know, seeing them practice out in person and then watching through the preseason. Trey's got some stuff to, to clean up as a passer. He's going to have some, some misses. Everything is hot coming out of his hand, man. It has got some big-time juice. So I uh, learned to touch some things up a little bit. Um, I think Jimmy's just he's more accurate at this point in time. So 
I think that's going to close. I think that gap is going to close, and then you're going to get all the big playability, not just as a runner, but just with pure, pure arm strength, being able to stretch the field vertically that Trey's going to bring. So, you know, I, I still, if you're asking me to, to project, I still think we see him as the starter uh, at some point in time this season, and maybe they'll announce it's week one, but my expectation would be it's probably Jimmy, and you're going to sprinkle Trey Lance, and then I think at some point in time during the season he'll have evolved and grown enough to get Kyle's trust in, in, in the regular offense that they run that uh, you get your cake and eat it too. Daniel Jeremiah here on the Rich Eisen Show at Move the Sticks on Twitter. He and Bucky Brooks have a podcast by the same name you should all check out. Right here on the Rich Eisen Show, what do you think is going through Belichick's mind? What's the evaluation there between Cam and Mac and vice versa? Yeah, I just went and watched uh, all the Mac stuff this morning. Kind of just wanted to go back through and refresh it and just watch all his cut-ups. Man, when he is, when he is on time, when he sees it, his back foot's down and the ball's out, I mean, Rich, it's, he's making good decisions. The ball is with excellent, excellent ball placement, not just accuracy, ball placement, right upfield shoulder. Guys can run after the catch. He's throwing guys away from defenders. Um, some really, really good stuff. Now, there were some plays in that game yesterday when there wasn't anywhere to go with the football, and it kind of closed in on him, and that was the – you saw kind of the downside with Mac, right? You're not going to get that creativity. You're not going to get the escapability to be able to make plays um, but you know, we could have had the same knock on the, on the previous guy that was there for 20 years yes. and uh, they, they have a pretty good idea of how to work around that. So, um, it seems like a perfect marriage. I know Cam having started all the, the preseason games, I guess that would point towards him, but golly, I, you know, if you're asking me kind of what I think would be best for them, I, yes. I, I think he'd be fine. I think I would throw Mac Jones out there week one and, and there's going to be some growing pains along the way, but. It didn't, you know, it's a preseason, but it didn't look big. It did not look big for him. Yeah, and I, I'm, I'm kind of the same way too. Certainly, you know, and I know that this, this would definitely get an eye roll out of the coach. I would assume, but, <laughs> but you know, week four, Brady's coming in. Wouldn't you want Mac Jones to get up to speed, right? Uh, as a, unless. Unless you think Cam can really take you to the playoffs this year, and then you just give Mac a, a sabbatical year and just go for it as long as you can with Cam, like maybe that, you know, what about that as a possibility? Certainly, is they're flipping Sony Michelle off to the Rams because their running back crew seems to be so damn deep. Yeah. What do you think yeah. about that? No, I mean I think they'll be fine with Cam. You know, like they're gonna, you know, if that's the case, they're gonna run it really well. They're gonna play great defense and special teams, and and they can win a lot of football games. I just think right now, um, I, I think Mac is in a better place in the passing game. Um, and I think this is kind of the floor for him. He's only going to get better. So if it's close, and I think everybody, even if you were going to say they should start Cam, I think everybody would have to agree it's pretty close. So if it's close and one guy is kind of you know at, at the floor of what he's going to be, I would just be more inclined to say, you know what, Mac Jones is good enough right now and he's going to get better. Uh, so that's that's – but again – Coach Belichick is is, uh, is is way more in the details with everything going on and what their plan is for the season, and and we won't know that until he announces it, that's for sure. Daniel Jeremiah here on the Rich Eisen Show. So maybe Trevor Lawrence didn't really earn the job. It was his all along, and they were just trying to get Minshew's trade value up, and nobody ran for that head fake, took that okey-doke at all. <laughs> um, what do you think of Trevor Lawrence in his final preseason action looking the way he did against Dallas? Yeah, he looked crisp, and, and I actually thought 
you know, even in the New Orleans game where, you know, the protection wasn't great, I, I saw improvement from him each week, which that's the goal, right? If you're, if you're a rookie starter, um, I was talking about this with somebody the other day. They were saying, kind of, what are the mistakes that rookies make? And I said, well, it's usually the comparison thing, right? It, it's, it's putting pressure on yourself. You're looking around at other players of your position and you're feeling that pressure to outplay them or you're a high pick and you're looking to prove everybody right for why you were a high pick, or you're a low pick, you're looking to prove everybody wrong. The, the goal is just you want to just get better each week. And so when you watch Trevor Lawrence from all the way through the preseason, I saw steady improvement. And I know guys aren't playing. I hear all the, you know, everybody wants to poo-poo everything. But I'd be encouraged if I was a Jaguars fan that this this kid with all this talent, all this ability, is getting better each week. Well, we know he's the one there, and we know Zach Wilson's uh, the the QB one in New York. We just discussed San Francisco and New England. That leaves the last uh, topic of conversation on this subject with you, Daniel Jeremiah, about the Bears' decision to sit Justin Fields and start Dalton for Week One, and then who knows what? What do you think of that choice by Matt Nagy? Well, I mean, it, I understand it from from his experience and looking at the Kansas City thing. I just think it's apples to oranges. I, you know, I, to me, I think Justin Fields is mentally and physically tough enough to be able to withstand whatever comes his way early in the season, whatever failure comes his way. I think he, I think the kid's built for it. I think he'll be fine. He sure as heck is going to provide a lot more juice and excitement within the within the locker room, the team, and 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 a much wider the fan base so yeah I, I i'd want to get him up and running my goal if i'm you know everybody's in a different phase as a team right my, my goal for the chicago bears is i want to get his mistakes over with as fast as possible right so let's get him out there let him learn let him make those mistakes the first four six eight games and then the back half of the season we're going to see all this ability from this really talented player start to come through and whatever our record is at the end of the year there's going to be a palpable buzz and excitement about what kind of football Justin Fields is playing late in the season and where this team's going to be a year from now, two years from now, five years from now. I just have a feeling like you wait and all of a sudden you say, oh, we're going to let him play the last four or five games. He's going to go through kind of the struggle period, the adjustment period, and then the season's over. So I, I would I would roll him out there personally. And what do you think the Dolphins are seeing in Tua and, and last year and this year to lead to the possibility of – on the eve of the season saying we're not going to give up on acquiring Deshaun Watson. Is Tua a problem in Miami? Like, what do you, what, what's, what's on his tape, Daniel? No, I, I thought he's looked good in, in the preseason. I thought he's got a little more life in his legs. Um, you know, another year removed from that hip injury, I thought some of that twitch that you liked about him, that I liked about him coming through the draft process, you know, quick release, quick setup, you know, quick decisions, balls out. Now, he's not as talented as Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson is a, is a rare talent, you know. I So to me, it'd be more about the opportunity of, of bringing in a, a super talented player in Deshaun Watson more than a kind of a verdict on Tua is going to be a bust. I think Tua is going to be a, a good player. Uh, but I'm not, you know, I, I think that if you ask me where does Deshaun Watson ultimately end up, mm-hmm. I would say, you know, you're looking at Miami, you're looking at Philadelphia. Those would be the two that I would, that I would point to. But I just... I'm not buying that any of this stuff can go down until we have more resolution on this situation. I know this is reports out saying, well, there can be conditions if this happens, if that happens. I just, I can't, I just can't fathom pulling, pulling the trigger on that trade and bringing him in 
with all of this stuff hanging out there. How do you do that? I just don't know how you do it. Yeah, I mean, you you know what it's like to put a deal together, Daniel. I mean, how could you even come up with, you know, games played, snaps played, suspensions avoided or absorbed to figure out whether a two becomes a three or a one or a four and it becomes a two? Oh. And I can't even imagine there's no chart for that sort of thing. You no, know? there's no, there's no precedent. Um, and, man, you talk about – you talk about putting your coach in a tough spot. I mean, have that press conference. I mean, maybe. I mean, good night. I, I just don't. I just don't see how you can do it. I, I, you know, we'll see. Hope maybe all this stuff gets resolved here. And once it does get resolved, I would imagine it won't take long before something would get done, or at least those teams would try to get something done to bring him in. But then I put on the Houston Texans hat, and I'm saying, okay, well, if all this legal stuff gets resolved. And I've just traded for all these draft picks, and Deshaun Watson ends up playing more than half of the games with this new team. They're more than likely going to win more games. And now I've just parted with a franchise quarterback who's young, um, and I'm going to end up with a bunch of middle first-round picks. I mean, I'd rather wait till the season was over. Yep. Let's look at the teams who have top five picks. Those are the only ones we're talking to. Well, that's something we were talking about why Green Bay, if they were going to trade Aaron Rodgers, do it after the season rather than trade him before and then watch the draft choices you just acquired get worse. <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah. you know, you at no least you, you, you trade him for draft choices where you know they're already fixed in, in the top five. Best you can yeah. figure that out. And I, I don't know where you are. I don't know. You know, I haven't uh, done all of the season uh, prediction stuff that everybody he's asked to do i currently do not have the houston texans winning the super bowl so uh, i would i would just just wait way to get out on that very very thin limb uh daniel way to take that risk before i let you go i am going to utilize your insight uh to help me formulate my sleeper team for the afc i give you one for each uh conference before the season and I'm circling around the Chargers right now. Uh, we spoke yep. to Brandon Staley last week. I just love every word out of his mouth. And then, you know, in the same way that we talked about, you know, you want to put Justin Fields out there because get his mistakes out early. He's got a fully formed second-year quarterback as opposed to putting Herbert out there for the first time and going through lumps and and even though that was a hell of a lumpy rookie season for him last year. Uh, but it seems with everybody, there's playmakers on almost every damn level on every part of that roster. What do you think about the Chargers season since you and Matt Money Smith will be calling those games locally here yeah. in Los Angeles? Yeah, we, uh, well, first of all, we're both very happy that the preseason is over and the regular season has arrived because of uh, uh, kind of the adoption of the don't play any starters uh, philosophy that Brandon Staley brought over from, from Sean McVay. So mm-hmm. I'm excited to get a chance to see all these frontline players get out there against Washington. Um, and, and Money and I were talking about this the other night, Rich. This is, to me, I think he's got a chance to be the best offensive line they've had in a decade. Um, and that's something Philip Rivers just wasn't afforded to have that consistent offensive line play. They have a chance to have a really, not just an okay offensive line, a really good offensive line. Um, so that's going to be crucial. If they can stay healthy up front along the offensive line, they're going to score a boatload of points because Keenan Allen's, you know, a premier route runner. Austin Eckler out in space is going to be a nightmare for teams. Um, and then you flip it over to the defensive side of the ball. You've got an elite pass rusher in Bosa. Derwin James stays mm-hmm. healthy with Brandon Staley's creativity. He's going to be all over the field. And I think it's one of the more talented, deeper linebacker groups in, in the NFL. And I, I don't know that many people know know this group, but when you see Kenneth Murray in this scheme, he is going to go nuts uh, in this. And Kaiser White and Drew Tranquil, these guys are all low four five 
speed guys. And so it's going to be uh, it's going to be a really really good defense. Again, it all to me it comes down to the offensive line. If they keep, if they keep the offensive line healthy, they're going to win a lot of games. Well, before I hear it, uh, let you go, and before I hear it from my guys here, is it, is it possible to put a division winner like Pittsburgh as a sleeper team? Is that possible to do something like that? Because nobody's talking about them. Everybody thinks they're going to stink, and I don't well, believe it. You know, yeah. Um, after the after the kind of collapse after the start last year, right? I, I talk about the offensive line for the Chargers and how improved it is. It's a TBD on the offensive line for the Steelers. There's so many new faces up there. That's the only thing that concerns me. I, I think Ben's arms healthy enough to be able to push it more vertically than we saw last year. The question I have is, are they going to be able to protect him in order to get that accomplished? So um, I, I know I know one thing. Watching their preseason games, if they don't run the ball. Uh, don't be afraid to still have Najee Harris on your fantasy team because he might catch 90 balls. That'll be the run game. Okay, good information. Excellent nugget. Go. You, you are now free to return to the symposium. Turn your camera back on. <laughs> yeah. tell, tell, tell him Hopefully a lot. Hopefully still gamefully employed. <laughs> you still. I'll see you at the ribbon cutting. You take care. See you, buddy. All right, man. That's Daniel Jeremiah at Move the Sticks. Najee Harris, baby. Interesting. He's going to still catch 90 balls. Thanks. And roll him down the field out of the backfield. Like he went, he went high in my fantasy draft. Did he? Yeah. Well, we'll talk about that a little bit later on this show. But coming up, I'll take your phone calls, 844-204-RICH. And uh, longtime listener, uh, TJ from uh, from Altoona. You're on the Rich Eisen <laughs> show. <laughs> Talking about his Mets. <laughs> I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. You've been kind enough to to bring a major celebrity guest here on the Rich hey, TV. show. Tom Brady, come here. <laughs> Good boy. Good a boy. pug. This oh. is <laughs> Tom Brady, so your good. pug. Oh, amazing. That's my pug, Tom Brady. And right Hold after on, Can we hear him breathe for a second? Hold on. Because... <laughs> Oh, see, he's, he's formidable. Bar- don't mess. He's hey man, barking at himself him. right now. <laughs> Be careful. You watch yourself. He's a stud at Tom Brady. Yeah. Uh, yeah, right after 49, you know, we got this dog, and, you know, it really was so mm-hmm. euphoric. That win, <laughs> which seems to pale, yeah, which seems to pale to the to this current win, mm-hmm. you know, but uh, let's face it, we almost uh, named him Butler. Butler well, off of Malcolm yeah, Butler. Malcolm, yeah, but right. nah, TB12. TB Pug. Hey, oh, he, you're bumming him out, man. He's, well, because he's barking at himself, looking at himself on the he's at himself. That's TV he's, screen that's right. right now. So I like it's got a, we've got a TB, oh, no, a TB, a TB dog. Yeah. Label tag, dog tag. Yeah, you do. It's TB. It's right here. Now, 
Does See the that? actual Keep Tom Brady that? know there's a pug named Tom Brady? Of course. I sent him a, a video of him as a puppy right away, and I was like, Tom, Giselle, kids, um, I want you to meet your namesake. Mm-hmm. Tom Brady, and, and he was just this heavily. big in a puffball, and Tom was like, "All right, that made my whole week." Oh, he did. Yeah, he yeah. did not. He, rec- he did not say, oh, you no, know, what gives." No, no, no. Come I on, mean, you know how many dogs in New England are named Tom Brady? I mean, it's like it's like Michael. The name uh, Michael in the '60s, like literally every fifth kid was a was a Michael. Mm-hmm. He is beautiful. Come on, look at him. Look at that face. Come on, that face. Did you, like Tom Brady. Do you bring him to Best Buddies, to Brady's? Uh, uh, I haven't, but I look at he's looking at himself and freaking out. All right. He's getting, there he goes. Oh, look at there goes Tom Brady, everybody. There you Tom Brady is Tom loose Brady, in the Rich Eisen Show studio. Come on back, TB12. Come on now. Yeah, he is such a stud. He is. <laughs> hey, Tom Brady. Tom, Tom Brady's Brady. back here. It's the greatest thing. It is the greatest thing. To be at a dog park with this dog and watch people's faces when you go, Tom Brady, drop that. Don't eat that, Tom Brady. (laughs) People look at me and go like, really? You really did? I'm like, yep. And I don't call him Tom and I don't call him Brady. I call him Tom Brady. (laughs) There he is. He's now on the Rich Eisen Show desk here. What do you got to say? Tom, where's that jersey? Tom, Tom, what are your chances of repeating... Tom, Tom, what's it like living with Giselle? I have yeah. six. I bet. <laughs> Happy 58th birthday to Rich Eisen show friend uh, Michael Chiklis. So what? 844-204-RICH, number to dial. All right, TJ. Hey, Rich. How do you feel about, how do you feel about getting the thumbs down? I, you know, I have conflicting thoughts and emotions. Well, why don't you lay a couple of them out for us before we take a couple phone calls here? Well, you know, first and foremost, I've I've always said this, fans, well, let's start this off. Ever since fans were allowed back in the stadiums, you've rallied against the fact that fans are really acting like knuckleheads, right? That they've forgotten how to act. Over imbibing and they're starting fights. So we know that you get a a group of people together and you're asking for trouble, especially after being cooped up in the house. So that's one thing. Um, A lot of the noise online right now is coming from non-Mets fans. Which I guess is fine because every fan base can sure. weigh in on this particular sure. situation. But then you have, I look at this guy's and I go, it's a thumbs down, man. Like, are we that like soft that a thumbs down mm. is triggering you? Like, mm. guess what? It's it's not a middle finger. It's not a DX crotch chop. It's not, you know, Ross from Friends doing the double fist. You know, it's, 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 it's not this or this or, you know, the, the middle. So it's. I'm looking at it like that. It's like, okay, like it's a thumbs down, whatever. Um, me personally, I try not to boo. Like I, and you guys, I've told you about this. I used to be a guy who like, if the Cowboys lost on Sunday, I would be mad until Wednesday. Like right. legitimately. Took it took a long time for me to lose unhealthy. that. That sounds it was unhealthy. Very, it was very unhealthy. Sounds so unhealthy. now I'm to the point where as mad as I get about the Mets or the yeah. Cowboys or whatever, if they lose, I, I let it go. I'll go find something else to do. I understand because that. I used to be so emotionally and just tied but up. What and about invested. the fact that there's the, the players are 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 sitting down and coming up with? I guess is it any anything to get them motivated? Does that I, fine with you? Maybe to, if it gets you motivated. But the other thing is, we're not maybe we're not looking at is Javi Baez is Puerto Rican. 
He's from Puerto Rico. Yes. Different country, different atmosphere, different culture. He may view this differently than we do in America. Like, right. I'm not sure what the atmosphere is down there in Puerto Rico, but he, I, I, I'm assuming that he's taking that very personally. So I'm looking at who the messenger is. You know who's also from Puerto Rico? So, Carlos Beltran's from Puerto Rico. Mm-hmm. Did he ever give a thumbs down when he's one of the most hated Mets booed players ever? I don't know. I don't think so. I don't know. Look, man. And uh, like I said, I, I'm feeling a lot. Like, I, I, I get try, one and point I, and, and I, I get the other point. I love the fact that you are putting in perspective about people's journey and upbringing and backgrounds and how mine might be different from theirs and his from mine, mine from yours, yours from his. It is very important. Mm-hmm. It is very important to, to have that. And I appreciate you doing that. It's just when 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 millions of dollars go into your bank account and it's not just because Stephen A. Cohen is supposedly the Bobby Axelrod of owners, but it's people putting down money to go see a game and you're cheering them and you never booed them and they're going like this and you're finding out like what gives. I just think it's just what a what a what a waste of energy. I agree with I'd that. rather they take the ten minutes or five minutes, and it could be just a couple of minutes of just coming up with that. Go watch more tape. Go watch more film. Go, go hit talk the cage. to go at the cage. Go talk to your manager. Work it out. Whatever you need to do to work out your anger towards some unnamed person who doesn't have your best interest in mind because they're not your friend. Yeah, they're fans. They're not honestly <laughs> like every single person that tells me I suck, I'm fat, stick to sports, all of that stuff. You know, I know they don't have my personal interest in mind. It's just that I'm giving my opinion. I'm giving my thoughts. They're responding in kind. It's, does it suck to hear that? Absolutely. But I'm not going to tell every single person when I think I make a good take and you tell me I, you agree with it, hey, thumbs down. It just seems to me just it's – but, you know, I, I got some people here who think that fans shouldn't boo players at all. Christopher in Wisconsin, you're here on the Rich Eisen Show. What's up, Christopher? Hey, Rich. Hey, thanks for taking my call. Uh, so, yeah, loyal Packer fan here. I would never boo Aaron Rodgers for – an incomplete pass at the, let's say, end of the NFC championship game. But I would boo the coach for, you know, uh, being down by eight points and taking a field goal uh, with uh, two minutes left. So I think uh, it's never good to boo the players because they're doing the best they can. But when there's some decisions by coaches or the team, then I could say to go ahead and boo the decisions but not the plays. Okay. Thanks for the call. Appreciate that. Don't boo players. Chris in Pennsylvania. You're here on the Rich Eyes Show. What's up, Chris? Hey, best dad ever. What's up, brother? How are you? So, listen, I, I man, I agree with you. Boo him. Boo him. I'm, I'm a diehard Birds fan and a Phillies fan, so TJ thinks that your Mets are awful. But, uh, I, you know, I think it's, it's like a paid product, man. It, you know, what does it cost? A couple hundred bucks to go watch a game, and, you know, if your players are tanking every year, same time, and, you know, they don't seem to be putting in the effort. You know, if I don't like a movie that I pay for, I walk out. And, you know, I think that attitude, well, they're Mets anyway, so they stink. But, you know, in Philly, we, you know, we, we boo them. But, yeah, we got to pay a couple hundred bucks to go see a game. So if you're not putting in the effort, you know, boo them. Get off. Appreciate the call, Chris. Isn't it interesting? One from Wisconsin says don't boo players or I don't boo players. And one from Philadelphia or Pennsylvania is like I do. But there's a difference between not giving effort and not, not, not producing. I don't think Baez is jaking it, you know. Yeah. And that may be his response. But I would just – channel my energies in a different way and i believe management's telling him that yeah as we speak different way to handle this for sure 
844-204-RICH, number to dial. More on this subject. When we come back, we'll preview the NFCs, tell you who we think is going to win. This is going to be fun. Coming up next. <laughs> Poll's pretty split on the booing. 53% uh, say what? Say no. And 47, no. 40, 47% I'm say I'm telling you, yes. I, I, when I Instagrammed out the two photographs of the Mets booing uh, of Lindor and um, and Baez booing, I got more responses on my Instagram saying, what's more toxic than booing your team? That's a toxic. Well, there's a bigger toxic waste of energy than, than players giving a thumbs down sign to fans after they've done something good for the team and the collective good that... I just think that I can't imagine sitting around and saying, you know what, I'm so upset about what just happened a half an hour ago, can't let it go, or sitting on a bench, man, that just happened. You know what we should do? How about we thumbs down when we do well? And then at some point someone will ask us what it is and we'll have an answer for it, and it's going to be against the fans. Like yeah, it is, It's just – it sounds like what a so waste weird, of yeah. time and energy, and then you're bonding – you know, yeah, exactly. We're bonding. The fans don't like us. Some fans are just down on us. You should root for us all the time. We're trying our best. And I understand that concept of we're trying our best and you shouldn't boo us. Like, how does it help you? And it's just like, you know what? Because that's what fans do. <laughs> if fans, if fans, if fans say something racist, get them the hell out right. and take their season tickets away. That is beyond the pale. Sure. If they are just saying boo. Because I am so pissed because I come here yeah. and I just drove two hours and, right. and I don't have enough money to do a season ticket plan or I used to have season tickets, but they just jacked up my cost because how else are they going to pay for Lindor's $300 million contract and then the guy's going like this after he homers and I find out through the media that that might be because I booed him five weeks ago? Well, the hell with that. I mean, that's the whole process. Like, if you want to talk about how fans come to the game, what their journey is and what they're doing, that's part of it, too. And you could say that that is a waste of energy on their part, but they're the paying customer. And as long as they're within the construct of propriety and society and civility, you would say you're a bum, you stink, or whatever. I mean... Would they rather the... the then the stands be empty or silent? At least no, the they booing. would rather they cheer or say or say nothing. But so then you'd rather have silence? At least the booing shows that they care. They want you to play well. Play better. I just realized that's not encouraging them. <laughs> it just now hit me. But we're not kids either. Like that would that argument works for little league, not for me. So <laughs> There's three fingers left. Guaranteed to have the time of your life because the